0: Welcome back in to Talking Catholic tonight. You know, there are a lot of resources to draw from about how to manage, grow, and protect your finances and wealth, but not so many when it comes to particular issues that we should be thinking about as Catholic Christians, especially in regards to issues of how we as Catholics approach issues such as justice and solidarity, you know, justice, basically just how do we, you know, rendering to the other their due, how does that come into place with finance or solidarity being one with each other and treating one another as, as brothers and sisters in, in Christ? How does how does that come into play in Catholic finance? Um, in investment issues. Of course, we don't want to invest in, in companies, of Catholics that, that abuse people, take advantage of people who don't pay a fair wage. So, so these are important issues that we have to think about. And that's why I've been talking more about this issue lately. If you're a member of my St. Dominic the Guzman team on Patreon, you will be receiving a, a free book in the mail this April called A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More advice from a debt-free family of six. It was written by Rob and Sam uh, Fatty, Fat, Fat, Fat Zinger. Um, You may remember them. They got really famous a few years ago because they're a Catholic family and are raising 14 children and um, they paid off their house really fast and all their children are going to college for free. So really good advice there. So if you remember my Patreon team and you're a member of the, the um, St. Dominic Guzman team, you'll be receiving that book free in the mail this coming April in the podcast I did with Sam, um, that record record with Samuel. Everyone will see that in the first week of April. So it's really good. But today, today, you'll be hearing from a professional financial advisor, Kevin Pilon, about how we should be thinking about finance as Catholics and um, about finance in general, right? Because there's just some advice that relates to all people, right? So he's a professional finance advisor. So you'll be meeting him momentarily. And feel free to Post any questions that you may have in a comment box, uh, and uh, and you'll hear more from Kevin Pilon. Um, to hear more from him, tune into my radio show on Guadalupe Radio Network on every 4th Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're talking, it's going to be uh, Finance Wednesday is what I call it. And so Kevin's going to be on the show on those days on the 4th Wednesday of every month at 4 p.m. on Guadalupe Radio Network Central Standard Time. We're going to be talking about this topic every month. and and answer your questions. So without further ado, let's talk Catholic. Talk Catholic about finances with Kevin Pilon. Talking Catholic begins now. Kevin, welcome on to Talking Catholic, man. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, David, I have to say I love the Rapstein Blue. That was a nice
0: touch. It's classic, but it's spicy, right? That's why I like it. I know.
1: <laughs> right from the beginning, you just get hooked in. You're like, where is this gonna go? And if you've never heard it before, it goes all sorts of wild places. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great song.
0: So I introduced you a little bit to the audience. And if you if um you guys who follow me, if you see me. Um, I posted a, a link I did with Kevin and on um, a show he's doing Old, old Fashioned Catholics. is a really great show. It's with Nick Davidson. He's a notable Catholic speaker. So they got this podcast, Old Fashioned Catholics, that was on there. So that's where I met Kevin. And um, so I told her about your, your financial advisor you work with at Thrivent. But tell us more, tell us a bit about you and your favorite journey and, and and what you do at Thrive It.
1: Sure. Yeah, so um, I was raised Catholic, born Catholic into a family of eight kids. Um, so I have seven siblings, five sisters and two brothers. And uh, we grew up um, in the heart of Minnesota, where the summers are pretty hot and the winters are pretty cold. <laughs> and uh, faith was always just a standard in our family. One thing that my parents did really, really well was give us a liturgical life. So we really, really felt the liturgical seasons. And I still feel that to this day. So even right now, during the season of Lent, um, it's different for me because of the way that my parents taught me growing up and how to practice and experience the different seasons that we have in the church. So that was always a really powerful Thing in my life. And then um, I kind of meandered and wandered away in my own right in middle school, in high school, mm-hmm. and ended up having a really powerful retreat experience my senior year of high school that wow. just kind of gave me a new starting point and set me on a path forward where my faith became alive again, where Jesus reminded me that he's been there and been with me all along. And I never wanted to look back from that point forward. And, and it's certainly been an up and down journey ever since, like I know it has been for you since you've converted, yeah. but, um, that has been the common thread ever, ever since. And so now, you know, fast forward all the way to today. Um, I live, uh, with my wife and three kids. Um, we have our little home on the near the shores of Lake Superior and mm-hmm. we're just living life and, Uh, loving our our young family our kids are six four and two wow and um it is way more fun than i ever could have imagined that's for sure (laughs) way more fun i i you know whenever i tell people hey our kids are six four and two they're always like oh you're busy like oh you got your life is full and i'm like man it is just the best it is the best yeah um that's a little bit about us and uh uh, so, my journey to thrive would uh, just an, on a brief note would be um, early on, right away when my wife and I got married almost a decade ago, we were motivated to be wise with our finances. Okay. You know, we are both Catholic. We knew that money is a tool, it's not the goal. Right. And we wanted to use it to the best of our ability. But here's the key, David we didn't even know what we didn't know. As Catholics in our 20s, they weren't teaching advanced courses on it in high school unless you take it in college they're not teaching it in college Mm -hmm. so we were really motivated just to do the best we could with uh, biblical and wise money principles so we had searched around for financial planners and ended up becoming clients of one and uh that kind of started our journey um to really just do the best that we could with what god had given us and then a few years later she says to me one time she says you know you could do this for other people, wow. and just went, huh? And so we just started looking into it as a career. So that was kind of the, the journey to where yeah. I am.
0: And so you're closing in like ten years of marriage, I know. And um, but how soon? I'm always curious about this. Like, how soon in the courtship process, you know, before you and your wife got engaged or married, does finances come up? When is When When does that tend to be an important conversation to have?
1: Yeah, so I think that for us, it was pretty early on, because we both knew that we eventually wanted to be married. And and it wasn't necessarily to each other. But when we first started dating, we knew that, hey, the point of this is to find out if we are going to be able to say yes to each other for life. And so Mm -hmm. pretty early on, those conversations happened. Um, Kind of a funny story is that she had been really, really wise with her finances all throughout high school and college, and I had been the opposite. When <laughs> so we entered into our relationship. One of us had a ton of student loan debt, uh-huh. the other one of us had none, and you can probably figure out who, who that is. But uh, <laughs> it was an early, early conversation, but you know, it's ongoing. It's not like a point in time, it really okay. ramped up as we got engaged. Uh, Mm I think really ramped up, and actually, there's a lot that you don't even know to talk about until you're married. I don't know if you've experienced that.
0: Yeah, 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 Um, yeah. Definitely have. Uh, You know, when I was married outside the church, you know, married us when I got married in um, right out of college to my wife, to my wife who I met in college. Um, It was it was completely different. Then we didn't know anything. Right, we were just kind of going along as we. you know and because we didn't have parents who kind of taught us things about credit or debt or anything like that so it was it was an interesting experience and then as you know after I became catholic you know that that marriage ended and um my new wife um she's probably kind of like your wife i mean she's perfect with finances she's just, she just <laughs> um of course you know she she had advantage of you know her parents paid for her college and things like that so and I think that that helps if you go to college for free or, or you have that help from your, your parents. And we could talk more about that. But um, but, but yeah, definitely. So, yeah, man, I was so excited to talk to you. I didn't know that you had that reversion that that I guess, you know, you're, you're born to the faith. I think you eventually have to have that new reversion and conversion experience. So that was that was so awesome here. And then your work at Thriving, you you went to see a financial advisor and then you ended up becoming one. Do you recommend having a financial advisor?
1: Uh, I would, you know, now that, well, having gone through it as a client and now that's what I do in my practice, I would say, um, for most people, unless you are one, you should have one. I mean, okay. when I think about other professions that would kind of be parallel. Um, everybody has a dentist, everybody has a physician. I mean, I guess there's some people who don't have a physician. And I'm not saying that the the work that I do is anything like that. But um, 25 years ago, my answer would have been, well, it depends. But the financial landscape now Mm -hmm. is way more complex. And the stakes Mm -hmm. are much higher, I think, especially for us as Catholics, as they were even 25 years ago. So I would say pretty unequivocally, yes.
0: Now, as I said in the introduction, as you pointed to, um, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of books right? Um, we, we can, we can name the people, some people, you know, everyone, everyone knows. Um, and, and so there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of books to read let lessons, you know, in my, for my Patreon members, my team, Dominic, of course, like I said, you're getting a free book in the mail from a family who's raised 14 kids, and are in debt free now. And so a lot of resources out there, a lot of books you can read. But what's what does a financial advisor offer you that you aren't able to figure out on your own or figure out as fast enough as is important to find out. Yep. I would say
1: at the top of that list, and there are a number of things, but just the thing that comes right to the top is helping you behave correctly. And I say that in a kind of a silly way, but behavioral finance is an entire arm of finance for a reason. It's because even though I know the right thing to do in my life, sometimes I don't do it on my own. And that's true with other areas of life. It's certainly true with finances. So even though in a lot of cases we, we can even know what to do, being able to do it is a whole different matter. Um, You know, when it comes to internet advice, you know, let's just take that as an example. There's, there's so much out there. There's a lot of sites that I love that I recommend people go to. Um, all of the internet advice in the world, David, is not going to replace really good planning with someone who actually knows your specific situation. Okay. You you can hear you can okay. hear a lot of general advice, right? Um, but right. that's not going to necessarily be true for all people in all cases. So I think that would be one thing that comes to the top of mind.
0: Right, right, right. so you're offering a personal service just like any any professional any witness that that makes that makes a lot of sense because you're getting into people's business, you know, you know their debts, you know their income, you know everything personal. yeah, and, and so you can kind of you can advise them and guide them in that, in that sense. that makes, yeah, that makes that makes a whole lot of sense. You can't get that by just reading a book., uh, you might not be able to grasp things fast enough the 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 market is moving. Um, financial instruments are changing. Right. By the time you figure out something that may be great for you, it's too late. Mm -hmm. Um, Laws are changing. Right. Uh, And so,
1: yeah, constantly Constantly changing laws, especially around taxes and retirement accounts. All that stuff is just uh, constantly shifting. It's pretty fluid. Right. And as you probably know, when you think about finances for people, it is connected emotionally. And so, because we are emotionally connected to our financial situations, that makes it very, very difficult to navigate any sort of choppy waters on our own. And I would say near impossible. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to do your own finances when everything seems fine. Um, okay. But when you don't know what your next course of action is or don't know how to do something or or things get rough, that's where a lot of bad things can happen. And that's where the the advice can be so valuable.
0: Okay, okay, so we're talking, finance We're talking finance as um catholics and in general with kevin pilon he is a f- um, professional financial advisor with thrivent you can f- um, in the description box below you can look below you can see more information about him how to c- contact him um his email address this is not a paid advertisement i just like kevin um, he's great he's <laughs> smart so he's not paying me to be here it may sound like a commercial but it's not i just think this is a really important issue You asked me, you asked me. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so there's no commercial here, but, um, so great information because I think it's just important for, for Catholics to know, but how, how does, how is it that, and if you, oh, if you have a question for Kevin, please drop it in the comment box below. And so as we move on, I'll, I'll get to your questions, but you, you you're talking about being emotionally connected
1: to your finances. How's that? What is that? What does that mean? Well, you know, if you bring it back to even just the new Testament, how often is Jesus using descriptions and parables around money or how often are things revolving around money? It's very, very often. It's one of the most talked about topics in the new Testament. It's very integral to who we are as humans and it some form of, of money has existed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So people are emotionally connected to it because it is a direct relationship from money that I have to what I can do and provide for my family. If I don't have any money, I can't buy food. If I don't have any money, I can't help my kids out with school. If I don't have money, we can't buy a vehicle or or you, you can't participate, at least in our country, in the economy. And so because it is crucial and because it depends in a large part on our ability to earn it, Mm. it's emotionally attached. And I think that uh, whether that's, you know, we have good emotional attachments or bad emotional attachments to money, everybody has emotional attachment. And oftentimes it stems from money habits that we learn from our parents or people around us as kids. I find that a lot of people, their money habits now are a direct correlation with either one or more of their parents' money habits as kids.
0: Hmm. Very interesting, and, yeah, cause I think I'm the opposite of my mom. My mom is a huge spender, right? and she mm-hmm. likes the finest things, you know I was so and this is this is a funny story a little bit So talk i I was thinking about this as you said that that I was really according to my my aunt Jean um uh, I was the ugliest kid she ever seen and <laughs> growing up as a baby, I was just the, the ugliest thing she ever seen, so but her story, she says that everybody knew I was ugly, even my mom. And so my mom would dress me, Kevin, in the finest clothes. I mean, uh, there's pictures of me like just camo, had a whole camo outfit, hat, jacket. So my mom would just, she um, back then, I think the stores were like JCPenney's and and Kaufman's. And, you know, so she'd go to these expensive big box stores and just be buying me the finest clothes. But it really didn't help because people would come into, they would see me in a stroller or whatever. And my Aunt Jean would say, nobody would say that was a pretty baby in a stroller. They'd say, oh, he's dressed so well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, so I never, so yeah, that's my mom. She she, So she's really, but I think I I took more after my father who doesn't pay for anything, right? And um, his his motto is that if if you can do it yourself and just as good, you do it. Don't pay someone else. And Mm -hmm. so I took that. And but it turns out that's, that can be more expensive sometimes because you always mess up the first time, right? <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, I think that that's that, that's true. But um, what what sort of things should Catholics, Kevin, be thinking about? Is what mm-hmm. how how what the what the faith teaches us? What are some distinctions, or how should we be thinking about things differently?
1: Yeah, so there are some things that are going to be universal. that that all people should be thinking about. And um, some of those things are actually really common questions that I'll frequently get asked. And just to kind of rifle off a few questions like, do I have enough to retire? How do I deal with Social Security? Am I going to run out of money? How do we avoid losing our money and our property to long-term care expenses? How can I, this is a, a Catholic one, pretty specifically, how can I invest in a morally responsible way? You know, when I'm investing in various funds or in my 401k or my 403 b at work, how can I do that to the best of my ability, uh, being morally responsible in the way that I invest? Um, how are the markets going to uh, affect my nest egg? And another big one would be how are taxes going to affect my long-term financial goals? So some of these are universal. Some of these are are specific um, to Catholics, but kind of backing it out one layer from those specifics It really is how can I reframe the way I think about money if I need to reframe it so that it is not a goal, that it's just a tool and that that tool is on borrowed time, that while I'm here on this earth, while I'm here living in the United States, God has given me this amount of it to use to the best of my ability for my family and for the community around me. Mm -hmm. How can I do that to the Mm -hmm. fullest? And that's really the framework that I believe our church asked us to think about finances. And that's the framework that guides my day-to-day decisions and conversations as an advisor is how to help people do that. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: important stuff. I like especially what you said in regards to what we've been given. Everything comes from God, right? Um, it is beginning with our very lives, but the resources and the wealth that we do have or don't have, I mean, everything that we have comes in God. So and I think when it comes to finances, I often think of that the parable of when Jesus gave um, the, the coins um, to people and, you know, one person buried them, one person invested them um, mm-hmm. and another guy, you know, another one invested them, but not not as aggressively. Mm-hmm. And these, is, is that something is that is is that is that is that is that a parable that you think of or that guides us when it comes to whether we're just going to
1: just try to maintain what we have or whether we're going to grow what we have? I'm so glad you brought that up because um, there's actually two different versions of that parable that give different amounts to the to the servants. Yeah. And um, I think about those parables uh, almost daily because they impact what i do because when you think about those servants and what they did in a very broad sense the the two servants invested what they've been given by their master and grew it so that they could give it back to him tenfold or fivefold or twofold and then the one just buried it and hid it and one really important lesson from that parable or those parables is that what we have isn't ours like you said it is a gift from god yeah. And that if we can return it back to him twofold or fivefold or tenfold, we should, if we can, we should, and we shouldn't fear. We're not called to live in fear. Now in modern day, there are very powerful and specific ways that Catholics can be doing that both for their families, for their churches, for the nonprofits that are important to them. Um, there are ways to actually enact that out, and because we are working within a framework of this time, this country, and this economy, how that parable plays out is different than if we were in a different country or living in the fifteen hundreds or, or a different time and place. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's some good stuff. A lot of stuff to really to dig in there. And and Jenny, she came. Let's we could so let's start getting into a little more specifics for the next. 20 minutes um, or so that we have here. And so again, I'm speaking with Kevin Pilon. He is a professional finance advisor outside of Minnesota. He works and you know, he worked in all all the states in um, North America and our country. And he's out out of Minnesota, Duluth, and he works for, he's a financial advisor at Thrivent. And so um, he's looking at, um, you know, helping with things such as risk uh, retirement and coming income planning, investment planning, income tax planning, estate planning, risk management. So we're talking about, we're going to be talking about all that in the coming months on, you know, when Kevin comes on my radio show on Guadalupe Radio Network, every fourth Wednesday, we're talking about all that stuff, but feel free. If you have a a Mm -hmm. specific question, you want to talk with Kevin more privately, his contact information is below in a contact box, but Jenny had had a comment here. We can start talking about some specifics here, Kevin. Um, comment on this. Um, Jenny says, I was taught not to charge anything that you cannot pay for when a bill comes in. So we're talking about credit, right? Mm-hmm. Is it ever beneficial to carry interest, to, to pay
1: interest? I'm really glad that you brought that up, Jenny. And it sounds like uh, you know, somebody had some good money mindsets that they imparted onto you when you were younger. Um, so the idea is, you have a bill that comes in, you can't pay it. What are your options? you forego it, you default on it, or you can charge it to a card because you have a certain amount of credit. And uh, the concept here is that if you do put something on credit, um, you're gonna be trying to pay that back at maybe 20 or 22 or 25% interest versus um, if I'm late on the electric bill, say, or uh, our garbage company has a late bill. If if I'm late on the garbage bill, they're gonna charge a 12% annual rate for every month that you're late. So the concept is real. When we think about how money can grow for us, we also need to think about how money or debt can grow against us. Mm. And as far as debt is concerned, credit cards are the worst, the worst kind of debt um, that's out there Uh, because at your best, you could never grow funds in any sort of account, retirement account or otherwise, as fast as money grows against you on a credit card in debt. And so I would say that's a really good point, Jenny. Thanks for bringing that up. Did you want to add anything to that, David?
0: I, I, I never thought about it like that. That makes a lot of sense because if I carry some interest over on like my American Express or something, they're going to hit me maybe 18, $12 who knows, but there's nothing really I can invest in at that same amount that can grow it to, uh, to um, like balance out that, that charge, right? There's nothing. So if I'm carrying a debt of $800 and I'm being charged interest for carrying that over say $12, there's nowhere I can invest that $800 for that same time period of time that I can grow, that I can ain't gain interest of
1: $12, right? That's, that's ex- exactly right. There's no guaranteed interest rate growth of 18% anywhere. <laughs> there just, there isn't. You know, maybe if this was 1985 and when CDs were at 10% or whatever it was, you could find something radical. But nowadays, there's nothing I can invest in that's going to guarantee me 12, 18, 20% growth. But the credit card is going to guarantee me negative 12, negative 18, negative 20% debt growth.
0: Yeah. Um, but credit cards, I mean,
1: we need to have them, right? True, not true? Well, in our current system, they certainly are becoming more and more um, indispensable as far as being able to interact in the economy, whether it's online shopping or just even at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, We still have cash, which is great, but most people opt in for the convenience of the credit card. I would say a rule of thumb is really just this. Um, And this is just from my own experience. And in the many people I've talked to, is to treat it like you would a check card. You know, if you remember when you, when, before I ever had a credit card, I had a debit card or a check card, however you want to call it. And so I knew that if I'm going to swipe this, the money has to be available in my checking account or I'm going to bounce my checking account. And in the same way, uh, people can really be thinking of credit cards that way to avoid themselves a lot of trouble. If I don't have the funds to pay this off at the end of the month, I don't need this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, you see people putting boats and a third car on a credit card, you see all sorts of, of <laughs> things that sometimes people, you know, they get wide eyed and they go, I can pay it off over six months. That won't be that bad. Yeah. But six months of 20% interest, that's a lot. That's, yeah. that's a lot of interest. And so I would just say, treat them like a check card and you can simultaneously build your credit and avoid yourself a lot of uh, possible trouble down the road.
0: Yeah. You may have heard of Dave Ramsey. I don't know, but um,
1: <laughs> I sure have, sir. <laughs> sure have. And, uh,
0: whatever man is saying, is is Dave Ramsey right about any debt is bad debt since he's basing this from scripture? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to come at this from a from a Catholic perspective. Um, and I'm going to say that I disagree that any debt is bad debt because i believe that there is good debt and there's bad debt so if that if i were to follow that to its logical conclusion that means that if i'm a father and i have a a wife and kids that i cannot purchase a home until i have the cash to pay the full purchase price of a home because a mortgage is debt i am owing a debt to the mortgage company and Logically, if I don't have the money to do that, then I need to live in an apartment until I save up the funds to buy that house outright. And that's gonna be for most people's situation. In in a Catholic perspective, what I would say is, well, actually back up one step. I love Dave Ramsey. I love tons of his ideas. I love what he's doing. Um, I follow what he's doing. And I think he has a lot to say. And there are so many people who have been helped immensely uh, by his wisdom and by his guidance. And I appreciate that his guidance is based on biblical principles. Um, When it comes to this particular issue, though, whatever, man, I would say um, there is a in that same parable of the talents. um, The master rebukes the servant who buries it by basically telling him, could you not have at least invested it with the bank and earned me interest? That's debt. The bank would owe a debt to that servant. So not all debt is bad.
0: Hmm, hmm. That's very good. Never thought about it like that. You're a smart guy. I'm
1: glad to have you on the show. <laughs> it's, from my, it's my wife. She's the smart <laughs> one.
0: And I'm sure she's watching. So I'm sure you get some points for that. Uh, so mm-hmm. and I know on your so I know looking at what you're doing at, at Thrive, and I know one of the things that you know you practice what you preach. And so that's that's always good to have a professional that we have in our life that actually follows. Their prescription, all right, they what they what they're recommending, and I know that you yourself you give back as a Catholic to charities, and it's some one of those things I know you do give back to Catholic charities. Why is that? Why is that important as as Catholics? Why should we be looking at our what we have uh, looking at our finances, what we have in the bank account or whatever, and can say okay, a portion of that should be going
1: to um, charities? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, at its most basic level, the, the, the most basic unemotional level is that God commands it. And whether, whatever I feel about it, if I'm a Christian, God, who's in charge of me and gave me my life and gave me my money and gave me everything. He commands that I use it to better his kingdom. And for many people, that's all, that's enough just to know that to say that's my conviction that's what i need to be doing and i should do it the best way i know how and -hmm. get help where i need it um but on some other levels uh my friend nick who you mentioned um you know he and his wife are are missionaries and they're going to be leaving the country and and living a missionary life and they have lived their life by this principle better than most people that i know Mm -hmm. and uh, he has a model that's called give the big bill so it's just kind of his thing if he was ever in a subway or a bus and somebody asking for money, he would open his wallet, and whatever the biggest bill he had was, he would just give it. And that was just what he decided to do. Yeah. Um, the principle is really that we need to be detached from our money, okay, in so far as we can, okay, because we don't get to take it with us. And we what? are you
0: serious? Uh,
1: Newsflash! <laughs> don't get to take it with us. And um if if some of what we earn can go towards those people who are dedicating their entire ministry or their entire lives to bringing others to salvation Mm -hmm. then we have to do it and that's not a that's not a comment on the amount that we have to do but we just we have to do it
0: yeah 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 i like that yeah and i like i like nick's um attitude too that's my if i don't plan to give an offering at mass, if I didn't do anything in advance, whatever, and I just look at my wallet, you know, I either either take <laughs> everything that's there, right? Um, or I take, if I have like ones, I always give 13 because 13 is my favorite number, or I give the biggest bill, right? If it's like, you know, I've had, you know, I have a lot of money for some reason in my wallet. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, did. I thought that was just, I thought that was my thing, but there's nothing it's new. It's not. Anymore. And that's really cool. Maybe
1: he stole it from you somehow. Probably. Because I am older than him. That's right, you are.
0: <laughs> so we have a few more um, questions in the combox box that I, w- I want to get to. We got a couple from from the ZB12. So let's hit these. The first one concerns I, I, I sort of have this question too. Um, having been involved as you know auto, auto finance manager in the auto sales for for a long time, I get this question a lot um, about APR. And then there's some people who. Who come into the dealership, they have got loans that they say they have a, a bubble payment on. So all the interest is due at the end of the loan. So talk about that, Kevin. So um ZB12 APR is divided by 12 months compound monthly, correct? Or how
1: does that work? Yeah. So you have so there are you you often will see on commercials, um, you'll see, you know, for, like especially for cars, right? You'll see um APR, or sometimes you'll see. A P Y. And so, um, so APR and APY are two different things. And sometimes a company who's selling an object will use the one that looks more advantageous or it looks a little bit lower. And so for instance, like APR, um, that's the annual rate and it's, it's charged for earning, uh, borrowing money, but APR does not take into account that monthly compounding. So APR gives you the the percentage rate and it's not taking into account the compounding. APY is taking into account that compounding. So let's just take an example. If I have uh, something that has a uh, a 10% APY on it, they're going to split that out over 12 months. And at the end of it all, the APR might be a tiny bit higher because the APY is compounding each month on itself. So that's that's kind of a a generic uh, description. So they are related, they're different. Um, One site that I really like to use um, or that I I suggest people use just to get term definitions, Investopedia. You know, it's the encyclopedia for investors, Investopedia. Um, They define terms, like when you're trying to understand what a term means, it's really great for that kind of thing, so.
0: Yeah, and Another one. Would you suggest incurring debt at five percent APR and get a ten percent return? To get a ten percent return.
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I I could certainly just say that it would depend. Maybe. Um, I, I can't give specific advice on this on the show, but what I can say is that in some situations, maybe that makes perfect sense. Um, but it would really depend on what the financial situation that you have going on around it is, because that's really kind of one silo. There are going to be other things involved with your income and your budgeting and your debt and your expenses, all that stuff that's going to play into that and as well. What vehicle it takes, you know, what do I have to incur a debt at 5% on in order to get a 10% return on because a 10% return is not guaranteed. You, know, you can't guarantee a ten percent return on on any actual yeah. investment. Um, if someone's promising you a ten percent return, um, that would be a good time to stop that conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. And Brad's mom has a comment here that we talked about earlier. My wife does this the same thing. She says, "Um, uh, she says I pay off debt. I pay off my credit cards every month. I save and pay cash for my car, like my dad taught me, and I carry." no debt and that's that's the same thing my 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 wife does is as well she um so she takes her monthly payment she would make on a car she puts that in the bank so when it comes time to get a new car she just draws that out for savings and whatever's there she uses that to pay for whatever she's going to drive next, which, you know, I challenge her because I know the cars that she wants, right? So she wants a Jeep Wrangler. She wants a Tesla. And I'm saying, "Eh, I don't know if your Volvo is going to last that long for you to save up. So, but I, I like the idea of what she does there.
1: Yeah. Brad's mom, thanks for posting that. That's, that's a really cool method of operation, especially when it's something like cars, which are just, they're not an investment you know, cars, no matter how you skin it, they are not an investment. They are a very expensive and very useful tool. Yeah. And we need them and they are awesome. But I like the way that you're doing that as far as uh, just paying cash and, and carrying no debt. Your dad taught you well. Yep. Uh,
0: so talking to Kevin Pelon, he's a professional finance advisor out of Minnesota. He works in all the different states. So if you want to ask him a personal question or, or talk more about Um, services he can provide um, his contact information is in the description box below whether you're watching on the videos um, live or recorded or if you're listening to on podcasts on itunes or anywhere you're listening just drop in the comment box a a description box and get kevin's information there and listen to more on my guadalupe radio network show on wednesdays at at 4 p.m central standard time and so where, so this is a large question, Kevin It's from will will says, how do you, how do you get started in investing? Uh, so well, we can narrow it down as far as, are, are you, are you recommending? Cause I know you do that as a financial advisor. I know people can do it on their own through E-Trade or Robinhood or, or, or whatever 401k's. I mean, take it how you want to answer this question.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for the question. So you can take, you can take uh, a couple different routes with this. So the question could be, how do I get started investing for retirement? Right. How do I get invest? How do I get started investing for a house in five years or 10 years? Or how do I get started investing for a specific goal for college for my kids? So when you want to get started in investing, I encourage people to to say, for dot, dot, dot. So how do I get started investing for dot, dot, dot? Because when you have that thing, and that thing is the goal, that helps us know what are wise ways we can invest. Because different goals should not be invested for in the same way. Um, I think that's one reason why in the parable of the talents, There are different amounts given to the different servants because God isn't demanding that we all do things the same way. It comes down to being mindful of what is the goal that I have in mind? If I'm saving for a car, that's very different than saving for a house. It's very different than saving for retirement or uh, a kid's college fund. So um, I would say um, if you're trying to get started, let's say uh, I'm going to imagine Will is an adult first-time investor, wants to just invest for yourself. Um, Figure out what your monthly budget is or figure out if you have a chunk of funds that you have available to invest. And then just spend some time doing some research. Look at sites like Investopedia, look at sites uh, such as NerdWallet, Betterment, uh, things that will give you kind of the crash course and help you hone in, what do I want to invest for? And that can help you how you can start investing. But for most people, it's really easy to open up an investment account at any one of the brokerage firms that exist. There are billions of them, I exaggerate, but there are a lot of investment brokerage firms that will allow you very easily to open up different kinds of investment accounts depending on what you want to invest for. Yeah,
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense. I think one thing I didn't take advantage of, man, early on in life, uh, that you know a lot of your employers, they'll offer your 401k, And I didn't know maybe maybe until maybe like maybe five, 10 years ago that I should, if my employer is offering matching up to 3%, 6%, shouldn't I invest whatever they're going to give me for free?
1: Great question. (laughs) You would be amazed at how often I'll come across people who aren't doing that. They're they're not doing that. For for many of us, we know that we should be investing enough in our 401k to get the match. It's a no-brainer, but it's not a no-brainer for a lot of us because I remember the first retirement account I had at my first employer. I got handed a stack of paper by the HR person. They said, Mm -hmm. "Fill this out," and I just filled it out. I didn't even know what I was investing in. I didn't know how much was going. I mean, I knew nothing, and it's not self-intuitive unless this is something you have a natural knack for or want to nerd out on. And so (laughs) um, remember when we talked about credit card debt a little bit ago and how there's nowhere where you can guarantee better than a 20% rate of return, like a credit card will have against you. Mm -hmm. The one exception is the retirement account match. Okay. If if I have a 401k and they say, Hey, you're going to get a 5% match, right? yeah i put in five percent of my pay into that 401k i get a hundred percent rate of return automatically that makes sense on that five percent it's the best rate of return in existence (laughs) so if you're not currently aware of that or not fully utilizing your retirement account match at work it's time to make a call or an email to who can help you fill that out
0: yeah um 401ks Ever borrow against them sometimes, never. I mean, mm-hmm.
1: um, I don't want to say yes, yay, or nay, um, but I will say that the one thing that you can never make up is lost time. Hmm. If I take money out of my 401k, and there could be serious reasons to do so, the government lifted penalties last year for people to take money out of 401ks uh, for coronavirus relief. They still paid the taxes on them and those types of things, but they were the 10% penalty was lifted. So there could be serious reasons to take money out of my my 401k. Yeah. Um, if the reason is I want to help someone, you know, with school, or if the reason is I need to pay rent. You know, the reasons could be any sort of things, but you can't make up lost time. And, and that's just a, a note where you want to invest for yourself for your retirement years as efficiently as possible. When money comes out, I then have to pay it back with interest to get it back in. Yeah. And people will say, well, it's just interest that I'm paying back to myself inside of the 401k. Well, yes, but what you can't account for is those three months or those six months or that year that those funds are out of the account. You can't make up for that. And all of that would have been growing on itself. Um, It can mean a huge gouge. It can really mean a huge gouge in the final Account balance of a 401k or other retirement account. Yeah,
0: because, yeah, like I said, timing. I mean, you just never know when that money's not in there. That money's just not in there. And it could have been growing, but yeah. it isn't growing. I remember one time, this had to be some years ago. Um, and I was telling my wife, like, hey, there's this car at the dealership that I want to buy. And I'm going to buy it wholesale and then I'm going to sell it retail. I'm going to make $3,000. I forget how much I was going to make off of it. And I say, um, I'm going to take some money on my 401k because I'm just going to pay right back when I get the profit. And she says, no, you're not. You're not going to, you're going to get that money and you're going to spend it on something else. You're not going to put it right back in. And I said, oh, yes, I am. Because I'm going to get the money for the car. I'm just going to invest it. Then I'm, I'm basically going to flip it. And so, yeah, sure enough, I saw sell the car. Something came up, right, where I needed that money for something else. And I never put it, well, I didn't put it back in there right away, right? I eventually paid that loan back down the road. And then so but that's the thing. When you take money, you you I think sometimes we had these great ideas. Oh um, yeah, that money's not gonna, I'm gonna pay it back as soon as I can, but you just never know what's going to come up, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Life gets in the way, our money is attached to our emotions. <laughs> and if left to my own devices, I'm not gonna do the thing that I know I should do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's why professional finance advisors like you are definitely, definitely needed it in this world. Because you're like parents, you're like a parent. Um, question here: What is better? Since we're talking about these type of things, these um, investments, what's better to invest in a Roth or a Roth RA or in IRA? And this is one of those questions. This is like a tax question, right?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of you know planning that goes into that kind of question. But in its simplest form, um, the cookie-cutter answer that you might get online or, or from uh, you know some advisors would be, well, it's good to have a little bit of both. You might you know, say, have a little bit on the pre-tax and have a little bit on the post-tax, which is essentially jargon, and it's a way for people to give you advice without actually having to give you advice. Um, the real answer just for the the purposes of this show is that it actually depends on your income. It depends on your income and your financial situation on which one is better because for some people, one is better. And for other people, the other is better for some people they're not even available. And so it just depends on your income and tax situation. Um, But you know, the general rule of thumb is, you know, when you're in a lower income bracket, Roth IRAs are really fantastic because you're probably in the lowest tax bracket you'll ever be in in a lot of cases, but that's not, that's not blanket. That's not going to be for everybody.
0: Okay. 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 Cool. Talking to Kevin Peline here, we're winding down. We're talking Catholic finance finance from a Cap- Catholic perspective. And in general, he's answering your questions. We'll answer them more later on. Um, we're going to try to come back here on talking Catholic and, And more specifically, definitely every month, every fourth Wednesday, uh, check out the Guadalupe Radio Network show, where Kevin's there. He's a professional finance advisor. You can find him. um, Drop down in the comment box, in the description box below, you can find all his contact information there. Um, But he's at Thrivent, he's working on the but he's he's working on things, retirement, um, income planning, investment planning, income tax planning, estate planning, risk management. Um, so so all that good stuff. I have a couple questions for you too. But before sure. I get to um my last question, I have one more here from I don't have to pronounce the name. Maybe you can
1: Rabbitilla.
0: Rabbitilla. I want to say that, right? Rabbitilla. Okay. Um, which is different from Ratatouille, which is a great, <laughs> a great card. Probably
1: just as delicious though. Yeah. <laughs>
0: On the flip side, with a car, if you're able to get a 0% loan, would you recommend taking a loan with gap insurance and keeping the money in an investment account?
1: Well, I wouldn't recommend it, but I would not recommend it. So because I don't know you, I can't say, yep, you should do that, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And so that's kind of the, the key with financial advice is that it really has to be specific to someone's financial situation. And so, um, if you're, you know, if you're getting blanket or cookie cutter advice, um, that's not really ultimately going to serve you in the long run, but I like, I like your thought process on this. I really like that. You're saying, okay, if I can take out a car loan and pay it off with no interest, is there a reason why I shouldn't take a 0% interest loan and then do something wise with the rest Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, I have this amount saved up in my bank account. I'm going to use it all to buy a car. Well, instead I could lease the, or sorry, uh, take a loan out on the car, 0% interest. Now I still have this chunk of money. I can do whatever else I want with. That can be a really wise thing to do because again, we're talking about how things grow either for you or grow against you. If you have something that's not earning anything against you on the interest side and you have something that can earn you a lot of growth potential on this side. Um, you should weigh that heavily. You should really consider that. Yeah, yeah nice.
0: Families, some families, you know, um, especially I know there's a lot of Catholic families. I don't know if this is, I, I guess you, we can find this in other places where other traditions, but I know a lot of Catholic families, especially some of the more tradition-minded ones, um, they really believe that um, are we really find the case that it's a single income family where the, the husband is working and the mother is doing homeschooling and she's she's raising her children at home and they're having this conversations before they get married. This is the way they want to go. But so for younger couples, uh, younger men and women who see their life like that, they see the man sees himself. OK, this type of father I want to be. I want to be the sole income provider. And the young lady is saying, I want to be, I want to be a mom. That's going to be my profession. What are some of the things they should be thinking about? Because there's a lot of big topics here as far as having, getting, being able to afford a house on a single income, being able to, um, oftentimes it's going to be a big family, right? So we're talking about maybe a passenger van down the road. (laughs) So so, food, college. I mean, this is, Perhaps we lived our society was structured in such a way, um, Kevin, down many years ago, where um, you know, it was more advantageous and more easier for there to be a single income. But you know, things happen, inflation happened, and society wants two pair and we started having these two income homes, the prices of everything went up. They took advantage of that, right? Um, but a lot of families still want to live that way, right? And so what what are some things that younger people should be thinking about as far as finances go? to make sure that's going to work best for them. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh man. And you're right. It's such a loaded subject, you know, for us, you know, Catholic couples trying to raise kids or planning on raising kids to have that. And it's, it really is an ongoing battle or struggle that here we are trying to live out our faith as a family, and we feel these pulls. There's the pull to be two income earning household. But the pull isn't just like a mental pull. It it actually feels like it's restrictive. It feels like there are outside parameters that can prevent us from going that route. Mm. I have met some incredible Catholic families who have intentionally gone that route and just say we are going to be a single income earning family. That's what we're going to do. And what I can tell you from, from them is that the common thread seems to be a mentality that they have adopted. Hmm. Basically say, you know, in, in a, in a nutshell, we are going to be willing to forego things that other people aren't willing to forego. And we're going to be willing to sacrifice things that, our friends aren't sacrificing, whether it's, you know, their kids having cell phones to you know going out to eat or whatever the things are. And I'm not saying that's what people have to do. I'm just saying the common thread is a mentality.
0: <laughs>
1: and when people are trying to make that decision, for me, I think the hardest hurdle, the most, the, the highest hurdle is getting over that mental hurdle of this is God working in our family. He's going to provide, he's going to protect, he's going to give us what we need. He might not give us any more, but he's he's going to give us what we need. And coming from that mentality of we're going to be generous with God versus we're going to be scared about our money, it is a really different place for people uh, to be in. Um, That being said, nowadays, It is, in some ways, more conducive for single-earning households than a decade ago. And I mean that specifically because of technology and internet platforms. The ability that people have to make money without having to leave home now Mm -hmm. is greater than ever before. And I've also seen a lot of those Catholic families, they've decided to be single-earner, breadwinner households, And the other spouse who has all sorts of other skills is able to earn income on the side, whether it's through an Internet business, whether it's, you know, there are all these different Catholics that are doing that now, whether it's through Etsy or through Catholic sites, um, whether they're utilizing their translating skills or their graphic design skills or their art skills or their music skills and doing online lessons. The the possibilities are almost limitless now for this the other spouse to earn some form of income while maintaining that family ethic. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that was a long winded answer. I'll stop there and see if you have any thoughts on that, David.
0: Yeah, that, that makes. And I didn't even thought about aspects. So there are there are challenges, right? Um, just with the economy is structured. Um, yes. I and mean, there are there are sacrifices you can make, but also that um, it made sense to me in in a sense that you know sometimes people kind of me. And they they want to refinance their car, which is I think is always a, a, a dumb decision rolling over negative equity. But um, I guess what what I what I always recommend is that you don't need to refinance what you need is more income. So, and that will help you. You can't get a lower payment by rolling over eight thousand dollars negative equity, you just need more income and pay off that pay off that loan. So, yeah, you know, that makes sense. So um, th- th- there's opportunities, even though there may be challenges, sacrifices you can make. In today's environment, you can be a stay-at-home parent, mom or dad, and still be able to use the gifts that God has given you, and be able to still do your role as a parent, but also make a little bit of income on side, so you have more income. So that's that's a beautiful thing.
1: It is a beautiful thing, and uh, um, I think about uh, the people who are you know finding creative ways to make that work, so that one spouse can be at home with the kids and i i think it's a beautiful thing i think it's ordained i think that god is doing something special you know in in our church in this country right now for for everybody but for catholic families with kids at home in particular Mm -hmm. i think this is a, a blessed time i even think about the past year and the grace that came down on my family and just the blessings that came to us by all of us being at home not no one's at school. No one's going to work. Yeah. And the fruit that came out of that is something we couldn't have planned or or done for ourselves. And really it is a partnership. You know, we're not on this journey alone, especially this finance and money journey. We are not on it on our own because it's all his at the end, all of it.
0: Amen. Amen. And
1: to wrap it up. um, So
0: you're, you're a professional finance advisor in every profession. Um, you have, you have shady characters and Brad's mom. She bump into one. So I want you to comment on this as we wind it down. Um, She says, I had a financial advisor who called every time my annuity reached maturity and told me it was time to lock in my gains. I got suspicious he was getting commissions for that. I told him to his face that he was unethical and gave my business to someone else. Um, Just for transparency, how do financial advisors make money?
1: Brad's mom, I like you. I like you a lot. That was, that was a good call. Um, he needed to be told what was up. He or she needed to be told. Oh, him. He needed to be told what was up. Um, so financial advisors can be paid in different ways. And uh, this is actually an important part of it because it gets to uh, part of what she's talking about. So financial advisors can be uh, licensed in insurance, let's say, and they're licensed to sell insurance, life insurance, property, casualty, homeowners, gap insurance those types of things. And typically they get paid through commissions. If they sell a client an insurance product, they get a commission. Financial advisors can be investment licensed. So if a client opens an IRA, a client buys a stock or bond or mutual fund, they can get paid on commissions with investments. Okay. So these are the traditional two ways that financial advisors get paid. There are some financial advisors who are licensed in both and they can earn commissions on either one. A couple, a a few years ago now, um, new rules came out because of what Brat's mom is describing. Financial advisors in the industry for years and years and years were taking huge advantage of their clients. And they were, what she's describing is called churning. So they're basically, you sell a client a product, you get a commission on it, a certain number of years go by and you're eligible to get a commission on a new product with no penalties for moving the client's old product as the advisor. So then the advisor calls the client and says, hey, it's time to lock in your gains. And then they churn the account. There was no you know, need necessarily or reason for it other than locking in the gains is what some people were, are told. Um, there are many, many ways and many masks that that kind of activity has taken. But there came out a few years ago what's called a, a fiduciary rule. So if a, a financial advisor is what's called a fiduciary, there is now new obligations and strict oversight that they are doing what is in their client's best interest. And that actually didn't really exist before. People didn't necessarily know that an advisor did not have to do what's in their best interest. Um, so what I tell people now is, um, you know, when you're, when you're looking for a financial advisor or financial planner, um, they do need to be at minimum licensed for investment in insurance. and insurance. if they're missing one of those, you're kind of not going to get the whole picture. They need a over. Okay. The other thing is you can ask them if they are licensed to charge a fee for advice, because if you say, are you a fiduciary? You might get a, you might get a, a good answer. You might get a roundabout answer. But if you say, are you licensed to charge a fee for advice? You want the answer to be yes, because if oh. an advisor can charge a fee for advice, that means it doesn't matter if you buy a product from them, then that, that advisor is a licensed fiduciary. And so that, that can be a distinction. So a uh, an advisor can get paid from commissions or an advisor can get paid for giving advice or planning client. So those are two different ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. Um, so, and so Brad's mom, so her new, her new financial advisor is Catholic. So I definitely recommend um I think it's a beautiful thing to have a person who shares your faith in, in, in so many things. With Even when it's health, there are some things that, that we as Catholics just shouldn't be in, involved in, in in healthcare. when it comes to um, procreation and raising children. And a person could have a, a gynecologist or whatever, you know, women have when it's time to have a, a baby. And they may recommend, oh, you know, your baby's based upon this test or that test. The baby's going to be born different than, you know, large percentage of other humans, so you should get an abortion, right? And, and so... You should that should never have been your health care provider that's going to recommend something something to you that's going to go contrary against your faith, and it's the same with a financial advisor, I think, as well. You should not have a, a financial advisor or, or um, a finance manager who's going to give you advice that's contrary to your faith or look to harm you. And so that's why, like, like Kevin, um, here at Pelon, he's um, a solid, solid Catholic, and you can. See his funny videos over with Nick Davison on Nick Davison's new to YouTube show. Just go to YouTube or the Google and type in old-fashioned Catholics and you'll see the videos that these guys are putting together. Hilarious and great conversations with interesting people. So check him out there. make sure you get into the description box. If you're listening on the podcast or you're watching, make sure you get into the description box. get Kevin's information. If you have a more specific question, or you look? Are you in the market for a finance advisor? Someone to help you take a look at your finances and find out what's best for you and your family moving forward? Um, get in the comment box, send him an email, interview him, see if he's right for you, and um, move forward. And but any any other thoughts as we we, we close down, Kevin?
1: Um, no, I mean, I just wanted to. Uh say, I'm just so glad to hear about your perspectives. You know, everybody David has a a financial journey. You know, I see, uh, you know, Sean commenting here about paying cash for his home and, and Brad's mom uh, sharing a little bit about her story is that all of us are on a journey. Now we might be on one end of the spectrum, we might be on the other, we might feel like we are just barely getting by and surviving, or we are in surplus. Mm -hmm. And, um, it is possible and it is not out of reach to achieve and maintain financial clarity, whether that's you're a young family that's growing, whether you are transitioning into retirement and all those levers that have to get pulled, or whether you're on the other end of it, trying to figure out how to make sure it goes to your, to your church and and your family and the people that are the most important to you. I think it's important for us to think about it as, as a journey and we're all here at this point in time, but it is just a point in time of of a big spectrum and a long journey. So um, I just that's all I really wanted to say about that and wanted to, to thank you for inviting me to come on and having the thought. I'm looking forward to. Um, our monthly show, yeah, your monthly radio show where we can just dive into some different topics over the next couple.
0: Yeah, of we're days. gonna yes, yeah, so yeah, we're gonna spend some more time talking about specific things. So you guys stay tuned for that. We're gonna just spend more time as we can just talking about specific things, like we'll spend 30 minutes just talking about retirement and complaining or risk management, just kind of get some more into the details to help you uh move forward. So yeah, God bless you and your your family, Kevin, and thanks for coming on
1: talking Catholic. Thanks for having me. And if you ever want to be on Old Fashioned Catholics again, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you on.
0: <laughs> oh Yeah, for sure. You know, because I like drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. God bless.
1: Thanks, man.
0: Hi, everybody. Thank you for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the content you missed. If you'd like to keep supporting my work, consider joining my team on Patreon where you'll be gifted great perks, like books, hoodies, and mugs. Thanks again.